Well, hi, you guys. I'm sorry for all you live people that were running a little late, but hey, there are sometimes technical difficulties and it's just the way life is. And there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. <laughs> you just have to live with it. Um, so we have a great show for you coming on. Um, a young man I met, gosh, I don't even know how long ago. I think he was in middle school, um, maybe high school. I don't remember. I'm getting old, so I can't remember these things. Um, and he and I had a conversation. I was so impressed. I did a story with him and I've had him on the show many times. He just has a different perspective on life uh, that I think is really healthy for all of us to experience and to see. Um, so our show is sponsored tonight by Chris Dental Family Dentistry and Denture Center. Uh, Dr. Bratlin is now doing dentures as well as his usual crown work, teeth work, hygienic work, all that other stuff that they do. Um, if you are looking for a dentist um, or you're looking for a change for a dentist or you want a dentist that uh, is open to freedom of speech, um, you, you know, <clears throat> live and let live, uh, he's your man. Um, he doesn't care about what your status is in terms of vaccinations or anything else. He just cares about that you are treated fairly. And that's what he's all about. Dr. Michael Bratlin, one of our sponsors. Our other sponsors, Albert Taylor, Endless Possibilities, an organization in Eugene Springfield that uh, works with people with different abilities, um, providing housing, they provide support, they supply, supply uh, services, uh, they make people uh, with different abilities, lives much, much better. And they're always looking for workers, uh, people to fill if you come in and work with them. I'll show you a little ad at the end that can kind of give you more information on what you can find. Uh, but we don't want to interrupt the topic. Um, and when you do comment like Larice just did, if you guys would put where you're from, it'd be really interesting for us to see where you're watching from. That would be an awesome thing. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Jameson. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Rick. Thank you for having me. So Jay has a little bit of a slow um, signal there. Has nothing to do with him. He's not slow. His signal is just slow. But he lives way out in that little town of Coburg, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the best internet. Well, I understand that living in the country. I'm lucky I did find a house with a place that has some internet uh, uh, service out here. So Jay, do you remember when we met? Uh, 2013. And how old were you at that time? I was 13. Oh, God. Was it, was it at Hamlin Middle School? That was, yes. See, I still remember. So I walked in and was I working for KZI was I, or was I working for myself? You were working for yourself. You had your television show on, I think it was Channel 12. Yeah, on KEVU. And I ran into Jameson and did an interview with him. And I was like, who in the hell is this kid? And he just kept turning into a cool guy, even when he grew up into a man. And you're how old now? I'm 22 and a half. 22 and a half. So when I was talking to you, um, I said, you know, you come up with a topic. What do you you know, you can ask me questions. I'll ask you questions. I just kind of want to hear what you're thinking about the world that we live in. Well, I said to you in our discussion that I thought I wanted to talk to you about what was going on back home here in Oregon. That's fine. Uh, and I, yes, there is an ice cream shop in Coburg that I've done there quite often. Well, this Facebook user, they don't give their name. They're always on here. They had ice cream with you. 
Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, you're it's kind of difficult when you live less than a quarter mile away to stay away. Yeah, and, and Jameson is um, a pretty shy person. Uh, you don't not at all. No, you don't see him uh, wheeling around Coburg um, and, and kind of bored or anything like that. So, Jameson, when you look at, at Oregon, what what is your what is your biggest concern? Uh, my biggest concern is that the conversations that are happening, whether that be with elected leaders or interest groups or stakeholders, are no longer productive because neither side is willing to admit that there's a problem. So what do you give me an example? Well, for example, homelessness. A government proposes a solution for all 36 counties, which may not work due to that county's infrastructure and needs and economy. So there's a lot of things which go into place which don't fit the needs of certain areas of this state. So, you know, yeah, so what do you do when you see the, the governor spending this money when the, the real problem is Portland, Salem, uh, Eugene, Springfield? If you're in Harney County or Baker City, you're probably not going to be impacted by that as much. Well, the problem is the money's not going to reach you. Right. And my solution would be to disperse the county to disperse the money to the counties individually so, and, let, and let them do with it as they see fit. Do you think homelessness is out of control in Oregon? Well, absolutely. I mean, even out here in Coburg, we have a large homeless population. So what do you, what do you think the cause is, Jameson, as a 22, almost 23-year-old man? Well, for one thing, it has a lot to do with the housing prices. I mean, if you can't afford a house, uh, where are you supposed to go? Secondly, it has a great deal to do with addiction and addiction treatment and mental health. So those are clearly, clearly the causes, I think. So do you think that Oregon is, is being, here, here's, here's my opinion. I think those things are true. And I think housing is through the roof um, and people can't afford. But, but, but what I also see is Oregon seems to be attracting not just homeless people, but kind of transient people. And, um, and when I went down on the streets and talked with folks when I was living there, they would tell me openly, um, we come here because we get free health care, we get free food. Uh, they got great programs to take care of us. Um, we can now measure 110 makes it so that if we are caught with, you know, Coke or meth or anything like that, we can just pay a fine and get out of it. So it almost seems like we've created an attractive place for people who don't want to work or live in a home um, to come and stay. And well, I think the thing is we need to reform the benefit system so it can better help people but so it places the responsibility on the individual to, to do something, not unfairly, not unjustly, 
but treating individuals like they have dignity to do things with their lives. Hey, I, I got a question for you. It has had nothing to do with homelessness, but um, I was watching this TV series and they were talking to kids your age, young people, young men and women your age. And they were asking them the question, what do you believe? And so I was sitting there thinking about you today and I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask Jameson that question. And, and you can fill that in with anything, but it's really, what is the core belief of Jameson Bowman? I believe two things. I believe that people are good, and I believe that we all have the capacity to do good. And it's up to us to figure out what that means for each of us as an individual. For me, that's faith in God, community, and country. So, Simple as that. That's what I boil it down to for me. So what do we do to get people talking again in terms of right, right now, ideology seems to be separating so many of us, um, you know, and, 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 I, and I think a lot of hypocrisy. I see a ton of hypocrisy with people, um, uh, you know, and I'm going to just use this as an example, and it's a little bit partisan, but it's a great example right now is, you know, former President Trump, uh, his home was raided by the FBI and and uh, the DOJ uh, for classified documents being in his home. Now our president, the same thing is found, and it's complete different treatment. And I think, you know, in the world of, of fairness and in the world of, um, of uh, you know, you, you can't do that and expect people to listen to you. So it's just dividing further and further by this, this, this ideology where it's the far right and the far left. And then there's all of us sitting here in the middle and leaning a little left and a little right. And we have, we see this and we go, what a bunch of horseshit. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you straight. We have to apply the carrot and the stick equally. Uh, and that is why, as relates to your example, I have always said that they've both got to admit responsibility for what they did or did not do. That's their responsibility. That's nobody else's. In terms of getting people talking, it's going to take people who aren't afraid to admit that they were wrong and that they misjudged somebody. And when we can do that, that'll be a start. I totally agree with you. How do you get people to that point, though? Well, I think it's easier for me because I grew up in a politically divided household. My father's side is the liberal side of the family. My mother's side is the conservative. So our discussions were very, very interesting. Uh, so, so I learned to mediate and to see both sides. And I think we need more of that. You, you're really right. And I think people, um, because I, I think the last four years, five, well, it's probably been 10 years. Um, it, it's been harder and harder for people to have conversations. And it just seems like, you know, every time I, I hear another hypocritical thing, like the Biden Trump thing, and it doesn't have to just be like, you know, Biden Trump. It, it, there's, there's just so many things of, of, you know, cancel culture and, you know, I, here's another thing that bothers me that I want to hear your opinion on is right now this whole thing with um, I'm just going to go there with the trans community 
wanting all of us to use personal pronouns and different things. And some of them are grammatically incorrect, which is so irritating to me. But it's like, when did we stop being a country where I don't care? I have people who are in the trans community who are friends, but or in the gay community, whatever community it is. But when when did it become that I have to I can accept you, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with the way I don't expect anybody to agree with the way I live my life or celebrate me for what I do, because I, I just think it's a, a bizarre place that we've come to where I have to not only. I should have to accept you as a human being, but I don't have to accept everything that comes with you or, or I don't have to celebrate it. You know what I mean? Well, here, here's the thing. As long as everybody treats each other with respect, we should be, we should be all fine. And if they want us to use particular pronouns in their presence or when referring to them, that's fine with me. But people have to understand that not everybody is going to accept that. And that comes with the territory, unfortunately. I mean, I've had people say offensive or ignorant things to me, and it's something you just have to deal with. And you can feel any way you want, uh, and I will respect you and address you as you like. Uh, but you have to understand that not everybody's going to do that. Right. So what? So a guy like you with a different ability, um, do you think – to be offended is a choice? Uh, I think that there are some common rules which everybody would say, well, if you say or do that, it's offended. It's offensive. But whether or not you worry about it is... I worry about everything I have no life whatsoever because I can guarantee you my day-to-day -day life somebody will say or do something and i could go that's offensive but i don't because i would have no life you could spend your whole day um people you know that's what i don't introduce you anymore as you know a guy in a wheelchair who i don't even know what i don't even know what your um what your condition what your experience is and i don't care i mean in terms of what you know, like with Amelia Abel or something, she'll always go, Rick, I have Down syndrome. I said, Amelia, I don't care. I, we're not here to talk about Down syndrome. But I bet as a guy who, who has spent his life in a wheelchair, um, you get you could choose to be offended by every day by by people saying probably some of the and, and you would never say this to them, but some of the dumbest things <laughs> to, to you because they don't understand. And I, I would have a right to be, by the way, because some of it is nasty, but I don't go there. How come? Uh, because it's not worth my time or effort, and it's not going to do any good to respond to them. Uh, so what's, what's your life like? My life consists of trying to clean up the mess that other people make so I can live in peace. Explain that to me, please. People try to do things for me from their perspective so they would do things the way they would do them for themselves. Nine times out of ten, that doesn't work. And I have to clean up the mess so that I can do things my way. 
which is the way that it works. Can you give me an example? Is that a weird thing to ask? Well, if you ask me what I want to eat and what portions, but yet you make your plate as you would for yourself, that's rather inconvenient, isn't it? Because of the way your hands work, it, you need the you need food on a different direction or different way. And well, yes, yeah, so I I have help eating, and I direct people. You know, this bite, this much, but don't give me bites that you would eat for yourself because it may cause me to choke. So does it does it get kind of annoying? Well, it's it's very patronizing when people say this is how. I would do it. Oh, so if you're saying I need a bite this big and they're going, well, you can here, you can do this and you're going, I know my body. I know what I can do. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Or how about you try and feed yourself? I hate, I hate that one. Because. So what, what do you mean? So people say, why don't you just feed yourself? Yeah. Because they think I can't do it, which is true, I can't, but it's very painful and very time consuming. And when I want to eat, I want to eat and I want to enjoy it. I don't want to wear it. I want to eat it. So does it feel like sometimes that people don't see you? Yes. I'll give you another example. I had a personal assistant one time who Ask my mother outside my presence if he can move my desk. And my mother said, don't you dare without asking him. And he said, well, I thought that would be easier. So not considering what you would want, because then, so, so does it always, does, does it already sort of feel like you're not, and, and, and Jameson, you know me, so take this with a grain of salt. You, you know how I don't mean this, but does it, always feel, does it already feel like you're kind of, that people don't look at you as a human? And Well, I would say uh, it's, it's very dehumanizing when you have people, for the sake of doing so, trying to impose their value system on, on you. So how do you keep from getting bitter? Uh, with... With a smile, with good humor, and with a off-color joke now and again. So, what do you feel like you're here for? I feel that I'm here to teach and to model that I actually can do it. But I'm going to do it my way. And you're just going to have to deal with it. And what do I learn from that? You learn that your way is not necessarily the correct way or the most efficient way. So is that why you can understand? Maybe, maybe that's why I've always kind of gotten a kick out of you, because you really do see the middle where I know you're, you know, you, you go left and you go right. But I think you really do see the middle because you're you're an educator. You're like a guy. It's like God put you here to kind of show us some things that we couldn't quite get. Well, that, that's the exact reason. And I'll tell you, I voted for Betsy Johnson because I saw in Betsy what I see 
in myself. I saw a compromiser. I saw a reasonable person. I saw somebody that would work for the common good and not for herself. So what does it tell you when Oregonians said, that's not what we want? I mean, by not voting for her, and now maybe out of fear because they, you know, they were afraid to have a former Democrat or they were afraid. But basic, basically what people said was, um, we, we don't, that's not what we want. Um, I think a lot of people, you know what I mean? It's like we, we, we stopped voting for people. We started voting for ideology. Well, I, I'm sad because we rejected a chance to do some work for the common good of the people. And uh, what we should have done was go down a middle road with Betsy. And I don't think Christine or Governor Kotek were the middle road, I'll be honest. So in the end, we kind of get what we voted for. And in the end, everybody suffers. So what, what do you say to those voters then? I say to you that you reap what you sow and don't come complaining to me because I vote in my conscience. So what is your hope? Like for, for just, just, you can fill in the blanks. Just what, what is your hope? My hope is in the goodness of people and in the goodness of country. And for me personally, the goodness of God. That's where my hope lies. And my hope lies squarely within the better angels of people, as Abraham Lincoln put it. Now, what do you say to those people who say, I don't see much good in people today? Well, that's because you're not looking for it. Perhaps you're spending too much time on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Perhaps you need to take a step back. Take a walk, spend some time with the cat or dog. All those things are good. You know, that's one of the things Jameson I found like by just for me personally, by moving out and coming to Montana, um, I see so much good in people here. Um, and I'm not saying people in Oregon are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying for me, it was a fresh start. And you come here like today, my, um, I have a knock at the door and my neighbor lady who follows me on Facebook. Now she reads my blogs every day. Um, she brought us a little housewarming gift and she started stood here for an hour and I had some stuff I was supposed to get done. And I'm learning. And one of the things I'm learning is to slow down because Montana is a slower pace, not slower people, a slower pace. People do things slower. And I'm sitting there the whole time in my head saying, enjoy this, enjoy this. Just listen to the stories and have fun. And it was amazing to experience that. But, but you know, and so I think it's changing me, you know, and making it um, the, the separation. I think, I think you're right. I think people need to spend more time cleaning their garage in their head. You know what I mean? If you, well, it, it's like to make sure your shelves and, and everything's put in the right place. And you can't do that if you're running around on Facebook and TikTok and, and screaming at people all day. Now, I would tell you, a few weeks ago, you put up a post uh, about uh, what the Lincoln County Sheriff was doing with regards to Measure 114. And I, I don't know if you saw, but I, 
commented on that post. I don't. And, uh, I don't remember anything about that. I, I remember one fourteen. Maybe it was something else, but the sheriff was also commenting because I put something up about one fourteen. And I commented on that post with a bit of a, I won't say an opposing view, but a practical view um, about the law and what she was or wasn't allowed to do. Uh-huh. Uh, and I got lambasted. Oh, yeah. For that. Yep. And what people don't realize is when I write a reply, I have to dictate it, meaning speak it into the computer. Right. But people don't know that. So I was getting attacked for my grammar. What they don't realize is it's not my grammar, it's the damn computer. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, no, I um I I, I get people on here who will nitpick something that is so ridiculous. But what I'm learning to kind of Jameson just from, you know, listening to podcasts and people and people that I admire and stuff like that is I'm learning that usually the people that are that nasty have really, really, really shitty lives. And well, they're, they're upset and they're angry. And so what, what I would love to do with you, what would be so funny is go, oh, and by the way, I like to call people out on stuff. You know, I mean, I remember one time after I had uh, my prostate cancer treatment, it, it caused me to, um, too much information, but it caused me to, it's harder to go pee. And so I'm in the, one of the laboratories and all these guys are waiting in line and I'm, I'm just, you know, can't, I'm just taking my time. And some guy's drunk and he goes, when are you going to hurry up dancer? What's wrong with you? And I turned around and I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I had cancer and they blasted my prostate. So it's harder for me to pee. And the guy just looked at me and he went, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was such a great moment. Cause it was like throwing it back in his face. Well, but, I have the same problem too, by the way, not because of cancer, but my muscles don't work. I have, no warning system. So when I need to go, I need to go. Right. So, so but you know, people, I think it, it's a good reminder that they don't know who's behind that screen. So here's a guy like you who has to trust the, you know, and I know how using Siri, you know, she'll come up and say words that I never said. And, but there's no, there's no compassion there. Um, well, that's why when I message you, it might look a little funny, but I, I know what I'm trying to say. And I just need people to hang on. And uh, there was one time I was in school and I put a four-letter word in my essay and I almost didn't catch it. <laughs> so I had to edit it out. The problem was it worked. So I considered leaving it. Uh, Lori Umenhofer says she misses your daily conversations. Well, uh, I miss you too, Mrs. Armin, in case you don't remember. She was my personal assistant for 14 years alongside me. So it's good to see her out here. And I miss, you know, basically shoot the crap with her every day. So what do you think people don't understand about people such as yourself who have different abilities, who are in a wheelchair, um, maybe uh, deal with blindness or sight impaired, uh, hearing difficulties. What do you think people still that makes you scratch your head? Well, they don't understand that we are regular people wanting to do regular things, but we have to do those things differently. You, you have hopes and dreams. Yes. 
we do. I want to get married. I want to have kids. But it's an extremely hard thing to do when people are afraid to even touch you because they think your disability is contagious. Do people really think that? Yes, they do. So what do you so what so what do you how do you not so that makes me really sad. Well, I I told people I usually tell people that it's all right that they don't bite. So right. They can, they but can, you would love to fall in love. With, you would love to, But you'd love to fall in love with a woman and have her touch you the way that my wife has touched me and and enjoy their company that way. And oh it, yes, very much. Trust me, I'm 22. A 22 year old man, yeah. 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 So, um, and so, that's very difficult when people are scared of you. So what do you, what do you, how, you, you got my tongue tied. I just love having a conversation with you. So what do you do about that? Well, I tell people that the chair is not my soul. I am the soul of the chair. I am the one that has the soul, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotion. As soon as I leave this chair, that all goes with me. So what do you what do you um what do you ask God about your disability? I I have well let me answer that by flipping around on its head if I'm if I may. I've never asked God to heal me because if he wanted to do that, he would have done that a long time ago. The only thing I've ever asked of God is to give me strength and to show me what I'm supposed to do with it. So I had a friend who was um, also in a wheelchair named Adam. And I remember one time he said to me, you know, Rick, I had to come to the realization, just like you do, that you have all these diff disabilities that people can't see. And he says, and I had to, I had to say to God, um, you know what, you must have wanted this is how I turned out. You love me this way. It's not that you made me this way, but you allowed this to come to my life. So what I'm, this is must be exactly how I was supposed to be. And he said he took it, but, and, and I was, I admired that in him because his was obvious in me. It's not as obvious. And I think it may be just as hard or maybe he, he said to me, he thought it was easier for him to be able to accept it because he could look at what it was he says, where you, Rick, you have to, you, you, some, some of the things that are your dysfunctions, you don't even know. And they're revealed to you throughout your life. You know what I mean? Well, well, right. And I think it's easier for me to accept it because I've always been this way. So you don't know any other way. Well, let me put it to you this way. My life expectancy and my disability deteriorate at an equal rate. So I will, I will not outlive this. Uh, there will not be a day where I will wake up and CP will be gone. I will just not be here one day and it won't be there one day either. So that's the prognosis for what is. Yeah. The, how, this how, is how old are you supposed to live to? Do they say? Oh, I, I can have a normal life expectancy, but it's it's a lifetime job.
So does that cause you to live? Is that why you live so full? Well, it's basically a staring contest and seeing which one is going to blink first. And I can guarantee you, I won't blink. I will, I will live life until I don't. And I'm not going to give up because I know what my end is. And, 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 and you're a fighter. Well, I know how to cause a ruckus, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what your mother would probably say is you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, that, that too. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Uh, but hopefully it can be a pain in the ass for good. So what would, if you, if you, like your dream thing, what would you do? Would you run for office? Would you be serve in the legislature? Would you be mayor of Coburg? Would you serve? I'd, on run, I'd run for president. Would you seriously? God, you'd be a good president, huh? But given my physical condition, I don't think I'll be running anywhere anytime soon, literally. Well, you can motor. Yes. You can change the whole thing. It's America rolling on the right track. <laughs> so you could change the whole thing. No longer do people run for office um, or, in my case, run from office. It's uh, people are now rolling into the White House. You could be the first roller. Well, I guess Franklin had a, had a chair. But well, he, he had to hide it. Yep. I'm not, I'm not going to hide it. Does that um, – do you sometimes feel like – and I don't mean like in a special Olympian kind of way, but you're in a special elite group of people who can't, who, who have the ability in your case. And I think in other people's cases that I've met too, you get to see the world in a completely different way than I. Well, I told you last time we did this. So it's like being a monarch. It's, it's a lifetime commitment and it's a full-time job and you're in a special group of people. And I call this the chair of truth because it shows you who you truly are and it shows you who other people truly are. Yeah, you kind of call, you inadvertently and unintentionally um, cause people to have to deal with uncomfortableness. Yes, and I like making people uncomfortable. I know you do. Not in a mean way, not in a creepy way, but uh, I like being that little thorn in the side that doesn't let people sit. sit Lori, still. Okay, so Lori says God created Jay with so many gifts that he had to slow him down so the rest of us would pay attention and learn something from him. Well, that that's Lori's take on the issue. My my take on the issue is that God created me to be a voice for those for those who had none. Well, that's what we have in common, Jay. And uh, this wheelchair is a more powerful microphone than anything I've ever experienced. So what is your biggest desire? Would it be to get married and have kids? Is that the I, Yes. Yes, that is, believe it or not, and I know that sounds kind of anticlimactic, but that is my biggest desire, uh, okay. regardless of anything else I do. Because you'd be a great dad and a husband. 
well, I just want to share myself with someone else. Right. All of myself. So when people touch, just come up and touch you. I had a friend and when I touch him, he'd say, I took my hands off and he'd go, no, put them back. And, and I'd put them back on him and he'd say, just, just stay there. And I remember the time I asked him, I said, why? And he said, because nobody ever touches me and it just feels so good to have some human contact other than picking me up to put me in the toilet or a bathtub or something, but to have somebody just put their hands on me. Well, I would say that can be comforting. I'm not a big fan of people running their fingers through my hair or giving <laughs> me a haircut or trying to wash my face. It's like, get, get out of here. It's that's maybe maybe you're a little on the spectrum. You don't like that touch thing. And I got to tell you, and I'll tell you, and this is real real adult. I have no modesty. I I can't afford to have any modesty. Oh well, yeah, because you could. You probably just grown up with like people, you know, with your junk and everything. I mean, there's oh, there's oh the, yeah. It's like you can't hide your junk, you know, because people are just, you know, that is that kind of weird? No, not at all. Well, because you that way, the rest of us, if we were more comfortable with that, but you've had to be comfortable with that. And I consider it to be their problem if they're uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll t okay, I'll tell you a little. My brother-in-law has CP and he doesn't speak. And one time I had to take him to the restroom. And I didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, do I, what am I supposed to do? And the ship can't tell me and I'm sitting here. So finally I had to just reach down and, and, you know, touch it and to do everything in there. And it was, he just sat there. He had this big smile, like laughing at me. And I, I walked out of there and I was in a, in a sweat. Cause it's like, I've never, I've never touched another man's penis before, you know, and I was like, this is kind of weird. So it's my, my response is get over, get well, over. Well, yeah, but that's because you're you're more adult than I am. I'm like a big, big pussy or something, you know. Well, let, let me tell you. So thousands of people have seen me naked by this point. I'm not even <laughs> between all the doctors and nurses. So, do you get tired of people um, assuming that you can't father a child? Oh yes, and there have been people, and there will be people that encourage me not to. Oh, that's got to be degrading. Well, it's also degrading when the state inquires about your sex life. What? Yeah. The state of Oregon asks about your sex life? Yes, they do. That should be illegal. That's kind of like, I mean, they don't ask me that. or That is so degrading. Well, I'll tell you how this all went down the very first time. Hold on to your hat. Um, I was 18 years old, nearly 18, sitting in my mother's front room with my mother, my siblings, and her friend. And they're doing this assessment. And he goes, I've got to ask you some personal questions. And I go, okay, go ahead. And he said, do you know how to practice safe sex? Do you have any partners and have you taken education courses? Keep in mind, this is in front of my mother. <laughs> and I say, I don't want to answer that, but 
I'll tell you this. I haven't figured it out. When I do, I'll videotape and I'll send it, dude. <laughs> oh, you just, and Jamie, Jameson, you just toyed with them, don't you? Well, I, I do toy with them. I really do because that's my, my, um, my fun in life. Right. Well, and I think it's, it's part of your personality that you give, um, you just, you just give authenticity. So, so here, here's the thing. How, how important do you think authenticity is to human beings right now? Oh, oh, I think it's extremely important. And I think it's a quality in high demand. And I don't think, I think to tell you the truth, this will be controversial, but I'm going to say it. Do I it. think that's why Christine Drazen lost the election. Because she descended too far into the politician, Christine Drazen. And we did not see the real person, Christine Drazen. Do you, do you think that maybe, like Betsy, because Betsy didn't win, um, do you think maybe we're afraid as a culture of people that are too real? Well, it's, it's easier for Betsy because she knew she had nothing to lose. Yeah. I love that woman. And she really was, you know, I mean, she held back nothing. You know, I mean, she'd be like, before I do a live with her, Jay, she'd go, so dancer, is it okay if I cuss? And I say, yes, you can cuss. Can I say fuck? And I said, yeah, you can say fuck. So she goes, okay. And then we start the interview and it was like, you know, and there'd be some people that are offended by that. And I get that sometimes, but I thought she is just so genuine. And, and that's what I love about you is that you just, I learned so much from you because you're honest too. I mean, you know, I think honesty, integrity, um, authenticity, um, what, what it used to be like to live in our country was even if you were, even if you disagreed with me, you still were like, okay, at least you said what you think. Now people would just assume that you shut the fuck up because they don't want to hear what you think. They just want you to believe what they believe. And, and if you do say something, God help you. Well, yeah. And especially when the, the little trolls come on your page and start coming after you, um, it, it's it's absolutely amazing. But you know what? I was listening to David Groggins and, um, and, and I feel like things are going to change. I think that I think people, the liars and the deceptions is being called out. And it's be, I mean, you're seeing more reports on on the last couple of years, the things we've been going through. Um, oh, I just got a message. I'm not going to say who it's from, but it's a friend of mine and he doesn't comment much on public, but it says, shit, bro, that kid's awesome. Oh my God. Me and my wife just are crying. We're moved by this young man. Well, uh, if they're listening to this, thank you very much. Uh, I hope you found it amusing and informative. I, you know, I, I, you're, you're, you're kind of funny, but what you are really is you're just awesomely, um, real and i think i think you're like um you're almost like being on the beach and a wave comes up and splashes you and you get this reality check and you go nah you know maybe the world really isn't so bad after all and if people like jameson can spend his life um you know living with a, dis a disability that's tough to deal with and is is trying to so you, what i think is powerful about you kid is your body is trying to take you down 
and your soul is fighting like hell to keep it away. And I'll be honest, Rick. I've gone through some major health issues the last six months. I'm scheduled to go up to Portland uh, in March to get some help. So far, treatment of final or the brain always those are pretty grim options. How are you dealing with that? And I always say, well, I'll deal with it when I have to. But until then, I'm going to keep living. Okay, so some of that cut out on your audio. So what's you're dealing with? Don't tell me. I, I don't need to. I, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I'm not prying. I'm. But you said something about you're having health issues, and then I kind of was zoned out. Because so is this some? I, is this serious? Well, it is serious okay. because so far the treatments are spinal implant or brain surgery. So far, those are the treatment options, uh, neither of which are pleasant. Uh, but it's a decision I'm going to have to make, and hopefully there are some other options. Gosh, what would you have? So how, but, how does a 23-year-old kid um, make that kind of decision? Well, because you do. <laughs> you don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. And it's either put something in your back to administer drugs to deal with the pain and relax the muscles, or they cut your brain open and they tinker around with it for a little bit. So, so far, those are the options. Hopefully that will change in March. Okay, so uh, those two, which one scares you the most? Uh, putting something in my spine because I'll have the pump for the rest of my life. Okay. I'd rather have them cut me open, tinker with it, and close me back up and be done with it. So when you when you get a diagnosis like that, what do you say? What do you say to God? I say, what else have you got? <laughs> because that's really that's really what it is. You have to say, okay, God, what else have you got? What what's next? This is his plan. Yeah, and it's not where I want to be, but God willing, it's where I'm supposed to be. Right. Well, it would have to if if we believe that God does things for um, for purpose. It's it's hard. You know what? People had trouble when I had cancer. I'd say, well, God, you know, and and I'm not saying this about you, Jay. I'm saying this about me. This is how I had to deal with it. I remember when I had cancer. I'd say. I think God caused this. And now, let me hear me out. I think that, you know, 2010 comes around. Um, let's just say that there's a devil. And like Job, you know, he goes to God and he says, hey, I want to give Rick Dancer cancer. And God goes to his book and he says, oh, my gosh, is it 2010 already? Oh, this is exactly as I had planned. Yeah, Rick's supposed to have cancer, but you can't kill him. And so I get cancer and I go through the process because it's good for me. It changes my life. It makes me, you know, it's not like I want to go through cancer again, but it wasn't a mistake. It was all part of a, a plan that was bigger. And so therefore, if I'm serving a God who, who loves me and cares about the world and around me and has a plan, 
then I can go through that easier because I know this isn't like, it wasn't like he was, you know, God was off with Michael somewhere having coffee, a latte. And he turns around and goes, Oh, what, what happened? Rick, Rick got cancer. What do you mean? I don't want to serve a God like that. I want to serve a God who knows who's right in front of me, right behind me, right around me, wrapping his arms around and going, are you ready? Cause this is going to work. Let's go do it. And I, I view it as my opportunity to cause a stink in the medical system too. So, oh, yeah. so, if, so if I'm going to be in the trenches, if I'm going to fight for something, you better give me some, a reason to fight. So, okay. So maybe it's your problem, Jay. Maybe you're like you, maybe you're too tough and you ask for too big of things and you need to lighten it up a little bit, but that's pro- never mind. That's really not your style. That's not kind of what you're going to do. There, there's no such thing as dreaming too big. No, you're a stud. You are a stud. And uh, if I have it my way, I'll be allowed to take a presidential campaign when, when the time is right. Well, I, I seriously think when you get through this, this little period here, this little bump in the road, I think you need to run for city council um, in Coburg. Well, uh, positions open all the time, so it's something I'll strongly consider. Okay, I think you should consider it, and I can help you. I understand this game a little bit. Um, I do a little bit of that on the side, so I could help you out. But I think you should go in there and and fart around and um, and see, because because you you you're so funny because you will throw a monkey wrench in everything. <laughs> you know, I watched the governor's inaugural speech, and she said she was delivering a new set of expectations to state leaders across the executive branch. And I thought, here's a new expectation. Don't do your job, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, you think? Or, you know, how, how about here's an expectation for our governor. Stop taking money from the Oregon Education Association and start doing something to educate kids in our state. Well, here's the thing, and I'll be blunt. Our graduation rates are crap. Oh. And it's not because of this governor or the last one. It's because nobody has done anything to maintain the system. Right. Well, it's because you you need to get the Oregon Education Association out of politics and quit. They're the ones who basically elect the governor of Oregon because they have much money at it. And then and then they get they don't have to do anything because they've got the governor in their pocket. I mean, that's why they were dumping money into Kotak. They didn't give any money to Drazen or Betsy. Well, here's the thing. I'm all for representation in unions, but you actually need to represent the people who are a part of the union. Right. They just represent the, the power. They don't represent people anymore. My dad worked for the OEA. I know this stuff. I grew up with it. It's bullshit. <laughs> and it's, it's power by patronage. Uh-huh. That's not what it should be. It should be powered by the people, yep. by, by collective consent. Yep. Hey, Jameson, um, if I don't, if these things go over an hour, then I have to edit them to get them onto Instagram. So I'm going to have to stop. But oh, my gosh, people are really loving you. They're uh, they're coming on and talking and and uh, stay with me when you're I'd love having your comments when you're on there. Be careful, though, because some of them, some of the people on my page are mean. I just I'm. Gonna oh. I'm not bothered by those funny duddies. 
And and would you please let me know um, how this you know diagnosis thing goes and what's going on with that? So you oh keep sure, it- I'm hoping to have more answers by March 29th. I couldn't get an appointment until March 29th. Okay, and then if we need to do a show like, um, you know, to get you a girlfriend or something, we could do a free show for you to you know call it looking for hot hot girls for Jay and or something, you know, and you know, I mean. We may have to get to the point where we just are pushing you out there like that, okay? You know, that's the thing. I do online dating, and the sad part is, as soon as they see a picture of me in a wheelchair, they're gone. And it's like, well, you're judging me based on a picture. Well, okay, then you you need me to help you. We're gonna take. We're not gonna show the. We're gonna make them. We're gonna make them. You got a handsome face, so we're gonna show the face. And then we're going to not show the wheelchair and then they're going to fall in love with you. And then we'll show them the wheelchair. Yeah, got it. So okay. Be your, I'm going to be your dating coach. I'm going to be your, uh, um, what was that back in the old days? They used to have matchmakers. Um, yes. so I'm going to, I'm going to go on a mission to find you a woman. So basically we're going to do what politicians do, the bait and switch. We're going to whore yourself. Well, <laughs> I don't know how much money I can make. (laughs) All right. Jameson, thank you so much for being with us, okay? My pleasure. All right. See you later. Um, Now you see why I fall in love with that guy. Um, Smart, intelligent, um, compassionate, caring, uh, kind of the thing we all wish we were more of. And um, all comes in that little package right there. And I think you probably learned more tonight than we have in a long time. I, I'm so happy. So uh, thank you, Dr. Michael Bratlin at Cristiano Family Dentistry for sponsoring our show. And then I want to thank these people too, because they work with folks with different abilities and they truly understand them. And they're always looking for employees. And Mark is going to tell you why it's such a great career to work with people um, like Jameson and others like that what this kind of work offers you is an opportunity to see things from a very, very different perspective. And something that you will build into your portfolio of life skills and life experiences that will change your outlook, I think, frankly, for the rest of your life. I know that sounds very dramatic, but I think that I think it really is. I think it is very, very real. We are demonstrating that we value this work, not just with words, but also economically and all being able to provide to people a, a place that you can you can make a decent living and, and you can do something that is not only important and meaningful, but you can also provide for your family as well. And so as you go out there and what I, what I would say to, especially to young people, look at your next steps is, is look at what look at what the pandemic should have taught you is that life is very fragile. Things are very fragile. And you're going to be out there and you're going to be working for a long time. And so what I would suggest to you is, is choose work that is, that is meaningful. Uh, when you look at it, don't just look at, you know, don't just look at how much money you can make and all those things, but also look at what kind of a legacy am I going to leave? Am I going to make a difference? So if that sounds like something you want to do, get a hold of Albert Taylor. Uh, their, their tagline is Endless Possibilities. And uh, when you meet someone like Jameson, you understand what that means. Um, there are no, there are no disabilities. It's just possibilities. It's what you do with what God gives you. You know, 
And I think all of us upright standing people, I mean, upright, not upright, um, can look at Jameson and go, okay, he's got some challenges and I've got some challenges, but, uh, um, we all got a purpose and we all got a, and God's got a plan for each and every one of us. And, um, so don't ask why all the time, just ask how high, what, what, what am I supposed to fight today? Um, I love the line of his soul is not the chair. Um, and as you saw, his soul was an amazing human being. All right. Tomorrow night, my wife's going to join us. Um, she's really thrilled about that. A lot of you have been asking, um, we go to Airbnbs all the time and we always get really great ones because my wife used to be a travel agent. She's really good at that. And some of you have said, you should have Kathy come on and do a show and talk about how she finds good Airbnbs. So I thought, I want you to have my wife on here. So she's going to come on and do that. And then Bill London will be here with the uh, news you don't find anywhere else. Um, and we'll have that tomorrow night on our Thursday night show. All right. Share this on your page. Show other people what the world can be. And um, we'll be back uh, tomorrow.